You are on the line, live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on your Thursday afternoon. Hope everybody's having a great week up to this point. We are working for the weekend. Not far from it. Hope everybody is having a great Thursday. Stay warm out there, folks. It's nasty outside. Hope everybody is doing well. The number to call, 334-321-1390. That's how you can get in touch with us here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Levi, how you doing today, my man? Doing well. Doing a lot better than this weather. Woke up in a great mood. Just a happy, good day that we're having internally. Not externally because the weather's so bad, but that's not gonna that's not gonna put a damper on my day. We're here to bring the light for you. We are here. If you're in the Auburn area, we're gonna be the sunshine for you today. We're gonna brighten your day up since Maybe. it was kind of mucky outside. Maybe. We hope so. That's I'm the goal. not a sunshine pumper, but that's, you know that's the goal. That's the goal. Hopefully just us talking will brighten your day up a little bit. Well, let's talk about opening day then tomorrow for Auburn baseball. They'll be taking on Presbyterian College, and today they announced their starting rotation against Presbyterian on Friday. It'll be Cody Greenhill on Saturday, Richard Fitz, and then on Sunday, Mason Barnett, and Mason Barnett being bumped up to the weekend rotation considering Jack Owen dealing with that dislocated finger on a freak accident. So Auburn with a rather inexperienced group, I would say, in terms of starting weekend action. Cody Greenhill, never been in this position before. Richard Fitz, largely hasn't been in this position before. And now, welcome to the show, Mason Barnett, moving all the way from closer to starter. These guys are being put into some uncomfortable situations, but fortunately for them, they get to play a team that was 2-14 and 14 last year in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, it's a great way to start off with a bad, you know, team or not a bad team, but a team that wasn't, you know, not quite up to Auburn standards in the SEC West. So I want to go into this. What do you think about Cody Greenhill getting that start on Friday? And go ahead and tell the people what it means to get the start on Friday in collegiate baseball. What does that mean for it? Well, your Friday guy is going to be your ace, typically. I think in the past we've seen Butch Thompson roll out players onto Saturday that maybe was his best pitcher going into Saturday. I mean, there was a year where it was Casey Mize and Keegan Thompson, and I felt like Mize was having a better year than Thompson was at that point. And they, they, I think even eventually that season, maybe I'm misremembering this, but I even think that year they even put Thompson on Saturday and Mize on Friday. And for a while it was working great, Mize on Saturday, because you felt like he was better than anybody's number two in the SEC and then he moves to Friday, and he's still combating some of the best that, that, that Auburn's opponents had to offer them. Your Friday guy's your ace. You, you're throwing him out there because you want to win game one. You want to get the series started off right. If you can get up 1-0 in a series, you feel pretty good about being able to go on and, and snag one of the last two. It just It's a mental thing. It, it gives you that momentum. You don't really want to concede game one. With Green Hill, 
I'm not saying Auburn's conceding game one here. Obviously, Butch Thompson is confident in Green Hill's abilities. We've spoken with Jason Caldwell about this before, what it means to have Green Hill on the mound. And he's relayed to us in the, in, in the past on air with us that Green Hill could not go your typical you know seven, eight innings that a Friday starter that an ace is capable of going. He could you know go five, six, see the lineup twice. If he's had a good day, you go to the bullpen, you sit him down, and, and you dip into your bullpen and maybe you use two more arms on Friday night and you close out Friday night using the best arms that the bullpen has to offer. You go into Saturday maybe with a guy like Richard Fitz who is a little bit more apt to the to the long game than maybe Cody Greenhill has over his time. And maybe you can go that seven, eight inning quality start out of Richard Fitz, only have to use one arm out of the bullpen. And then you turn to Sunday, which Sunday is typically your day. Most teams in this league don't have three starters that are always going to be on their game. A lot of times Sunday ends up being the by committee approach ends up being you know you see four three or four arms across the day maybe even more than that depending on how bad your starter went to open up that day you know there have been times where Auburn has been forced into that role before and they've had a starter only go you know two or three innings and then they've had to go by committee for the rest of the day I don't know if that's going to be the case for Barnett everything I hear about Mason Barnett is that this guy has some nasty stuff I'm excited to see this guy in a full season I really hope that the weather, I really hope that the coronavirus, none of that touches this baseball season as much as we've seen basketball and football touched by it because I'm excited to see some of these arms and some of these bats for this Auburn team because there's an exciting future combined with some exciting experience that is still on this roster from that Omaha team. And Mason Barnett definitely fits into that role of somebody that's part of an exciting future for Auburn baseball. You talk about this guy's stuff it's like high 90s fastball. You don't see that too often out of collegiate guys. And this guy can can get in the upper 90s, touching 97, 98. I'm, I'm pumped to see him throw. I don't know how long he can go. And, and, and circling all the way back to Green Hill, the, the testament about pitchers in, in any level of baseball is how many, and starting pitchers, that is, how many times can you see the lineup? Is it once, twice, three times? If you go through the lineup three times, you're going, you know, you're going a long ways. You're going seven, eight, possibly even nine innings, you know, if you're borderline no-hitter, perfect game type of day, you know, which doesn't happen often. But the point is, how many times can you see the lineup? Because and that's dictated by your ability to sequence your pitches. That's dictated by the by, you know, how good is your stuff outside of your primary one or two pitches that you've got. And Green Hill's a guy that I have questions about beyond his primary two pitches. And, and that's just because we haven't seen him in this position before. He's had his he's had his fastball. I mean, he's called the bull. You know, this guy's this guy's a hard thrower. He 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 goes at you. He's got he's got a strong fastball, and he's had a strong punch out pitch as well in his time coming out of the bullpen. But now we're talking about you've got to have more than just two pitches. And now we're going to get to see how robust he is as a pitcher. I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm excited to see him on Friday night. I'm just saying this is something that we're going to learn about him. We've never seen him in this role before. So now that we see him in this role, how many times can he go through the lineup? And like I said, that is all predicated on your pitch sequencing. You know, how, how, you know, are you mixing it up? Because batters adjust. 
and, and they they scout these pitchers. They have all of, they have loads of information on these pitchers. They know everything about you. Baseball, you are able to scout it down to a T mathematically. I mean, there, there's just so it is so far reaching what they are able to do in scouting out in baseball and knowing intricacies and tendencies and percentages of what pitches you're going to and when. I mean, it, it, it more than any other sport, probably. It's almost more, it's like the most human game in terms of when you're looking at a pitcher and you go through all of their tendencies. You say, you know what, when he's gotten a right hander it, at a Two three count or what you know three two count whatever he has him at and you can get hard go. percentages on that yeah. football there are so many different things that could so occur at any variables. moment you can go baseball down to that not teeth. as much you can literally say at this position he's about sixty to seventy percent going to go to x pitch right here or y pitch right here and you can you know no you can almost know that's coming based on percentages and you can prepare and adjust for that and that's and that's the kind of things that you have to do so you got to see that out of Green Hill to see. Can he go the more two pitches, and can he sequence it correctly? And after you see him the first time in the lineup in an actual game situation, then you go to him the second time, and you've adjusted based off of what you've seen from the first time. And oftentimes you can see a pitcher go through the the lineup the first time, and they're doing just fine. Maybe they've only given up a hit or two. No runs are allowed through three innings. It's the second go-through where guys get hung up. That's where they start to get shelled. And for me, I want to see if Green Hill can make it through two times because if he can get through two times and he's only given up a handful of hits maybe one run then you're getting into okay this guy's going up to you know five six seven innings of work and I think that's what Auburn wants to get out of him as a starter of course you'd love your Friday ace you'd love your typical Friday ace to be able to go deep like I said earlier in this segment you'd love to be able to see him go seven eight innings I don't think that's what they're expecting to get out of Greenhill I don't think that's their strategy going into Fridays but we'll see we're going to get to see him tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon, that is. We're going to get to see that. How deep does he go? Presbyterian was a bad team last year. They went 2-14 and 14 before the season shut down. This is not a good baseball program. You know, he could, go, he could go far. I want to see how long they let him go. The other thing is, pitch count has been an issue for Auburn pitchers over the years. Casey Mize, Tanner Burns, Keegan Thompson, all of those guys – were your typical aces that went seven, eight innings deep on average. And what did they all deal with? They dealt with arm fatigue. They dealt with injuries that sidelined them for a little while. I want to see how Auburn approaches that this year because it felt like in last year's non-conference slate, most of the starters were coming out six innings, five, six innings into the ball game. I think they'll approach it the same way. I don't think you see too many of these starters go too far, but we'll see with Green Hill tomorrow night how long they how long they look for him to go. I would love to see him to to I want to see him go against the lineup twice. And I want to see and I'm really particularly and folks, if you're watching the game, however you however you can get access to it, if you're watching the ball game, pay attention to that second run through of the lineup and how it's adjusted from the first time. Because that that is going to be the key for some of these Auburn pitchers that have not been put in this situation before. How long can you go? It's not how low can you go. It's how long can you go. Is there any chance they pull a 2018-2019 Tampa Bay Rays where they have the opener guy? Any chance they're doing that with Green Hill? Do you, you, you know what I'm talking about? I don't there, know you, what you're talking about so with the Rays. In 2018-2019, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays threw their closer out there to start the game for two innings to try to get, you know, instead of do instead of having your closer at the end of the game, they were trotting him out there at the beginning of the game. If I remember correctly, they were doing it with Sergio Romo one year, and then they did it with another guy a different year. No chance this happens. I don't think so either. I just thought it was a fun conversation to kind of think about 
Would I'm Auburn sorry, do that? I didn't catch that right out the gates. I mean, it's a very obscure stat. And you, I mean, this is coming from I've the never guy. seen that before. You got to think this is the, coming from the guy who uh, who doesn't watch much baseball, and that's one of the obscure things. I think I remember that just in particular because I thought it was. Well, I know you're laughable. joking with me about that. I know because you just said it's laughable, but I know you're joking with me about that. I mean, there's no way Auburn would do that. No, I wish I had not. caught that right out right I out just, the gates. I just thought it'd be funny to kind of throw that out there because you know. Uh, we had a major league baseball team doing that, where they trotted a closer out there to start the games, and and how'd that work out for them? You know what? Let me find some stats right here. I think they actually did pretty well. Maybe I could be wrong. Twenty nineteen year. Uh, I just say that the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim pitched a no hitter using an opener uh, with you know combined with other pitchers in July of twenty nineteen. That just sounds like a com- uh, you know pitching by committee. Exactly. I mean, and that might be realistic. Sundays for Auburn because Mason Barnett is a closer. Yeah, I mean, it could. Be, yeah, that, I mean, that could be something that they do with that. That's it, fair. It's. Uh, I thought you meant on Fridays. I was like, there's no way they do that on Fridays. Oh, I mean, it, it could. I mean, the Rays implemented that a good bit of the year. It could be. I, again, I don't think there's a chance that that happens. I just thought it was funny that we're seeing you know two guys who are known for closing roles, kind of in that starting pitching with Fridays and Sundays. There might be something that they are doing on Sundays. I mean, you hit it on the head earlier and said it's a pitch by committee on Sundays a lot of times. So you just go ahead and trot out a closer who's going to be good for, you know, good two innings. Get yourself in a good position in the ballgame. If you can get the bats alive, you're already working with a lead. And then you just bring in some guys who can keep doing that throughout the game. And you're setting up for a pretty good Sunday in that regard. Last year, Cody Greenhill, some pitching statistics, some pitching statistics for him he appeared four times, had 12.2 innings pitched, two saves. Uh, you know, on average there, if you just divide up innings pitched by appearances, he's only going about three innings each time he was out there, gave up five hits. He had 17 strikeouts, solid strikeouts to innings pitched ratio there, only one walk only one walk there. So uh, also nice, you know, K to walk ratio there as well, 17 to one. That's solid. Posing batting average there, 122 against him last year. So, impressive numbers last season but we we really didn't see him go too long once again averaging about three innings in appearance that he got out there he has not started a game in his career and he will be the Friday starter for Auburn against Presbyterian College and uh, if you're going to make your first start of your career might as well be against Presbyterian am I right (laughs) I mean yeah you might as well go ahead and make it up against a team that you know went two and 14 last year and I feel like Presbyterian's probably everybody's tune-up. but That's the get-right game. That is. And Auburn needs a get-right game before they go to the Round Rock Classic next week. We got more of On the Line coming up on the other side of this break. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at at RadioALSports. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. Great baseball talk there in the first segment of the show. Really enjoyed breaking that down. Auburn announced... They're starting rotation for the weekend against Presbyterian College. It'll be on Friday, Cody Greenhill, Saturday, Richard Fitz. And then on Sunday, 
It'll be Mason Barnett, typically used as a closer, expected to be a closer. Now he will be moving into that Sunday role, mainly because Jack Owen's still dealing with that dislocated finger. Going back to Richard Fitz here, because we talked a lot about Cody Greenhill in that opening segment. Richard Fitz also today saw named to Golden Spikes Award watch list. These are like the best players in the country. And Auburn and LSU are the only two teams over the last four years to have a pitcher named to the list, or the watch list that is, in each of those last four seasons. All indications are pointing toward Richard Fitz having a breakthrough year this year and being a and being an MLB draft prospect uh, going into uh, going into the summer. Do you think that's going to happen? Do you think he's going to have a breakout year this year? Do you think this is the year that he puts it together and just puts his name on the map nationally? Steady improvement here for Richard Fitz over the years. He had a 5.31 ERA as a freshman in 2019. I felt like he came on strong and really thrived in a long relief role in that Omaha run that year. He played his best baseball at the end, as did most Auburn players in 2019, which is kind of hard to evaluate a guy that did great at the end of that 2019 season because if you average everything that they did that year, some guys had some down years in 2019. You're like, all right, so which is the real player? The guy who played great in Omaha or going up to Omaha through the regionals in the Super Regional Round in the NCAA Tournament? Or was it the player that struggled all year long? And that's kind of the the vibe that I have for a lot of players going into this season. Like Auburn didn't look great last year. They were 13 and 5 before the season shut down. They lost some midweek games that they shouldn't have. They got sweeped on the weekend by UCF. Man, Auburn people must be sick and tired of UCF by now, right? But uh, 0 and 4 gets them across athletics and, and 0 and 5 actually too, losing to basketball this year. I mean, Auburn's had some bad run-ins with UCF. When was so, the last time right. Auburn beat UCF Wait, so something? What do, so what do we have? We have basketball this year. We had baseball last year. We had the football. Three years ago, four years ago now. And then Gus. Is, and now, <laughs> now Gus is call, over there. You want to call the Gus Can't thing. beat him? Join him. Also, but, uh, did you see that the tweet this morning? I don't want to get too far into this. You see Gus Malzahn's tweet about it was like Sonny in 83 or something. And he smi- I thought it was 82. Yeah, Sonny in 82. I'm like. He's wearing a suit, though. I was like, dude. You know he knows. It's hot. You know he knows how cold it is up here. You know what he's doing. You know exactly That's what so he did. True. You know exactly what that. he did. It's cold up here. You know exactly what he did. That's I'm, funny. I'm mad about it. <laughs> I'm not. Enjoy it. Live your best life. No, man. It's You're, funny. In it's funny. You're in Orlando. Yep. If you're listening, Gus, just give us some tickets to the, you know, to, to the world down there. <laughs> Phone lines are open. Once again, the number to call, 334-321-1390. Going back to the Richard Fitz conversation here. You know, Stephen Williams, um, trying to think uh, other players that turned it on at the end of that year, but maybe were struggling throughout the season. The other guys are gone. Like Edward Julian and, and Will Holland had some struggles that year. those guys are gone but even you go back into last year and it's like Stephen Williams struggled I feel like Rankin Wally who by far was one of the better hitters last year for Auburn he even had a little bit of a lean period last year uh, in those 18 games there's just you can handpick some players here and there and it's mainly the guys at the plate it's not as much the pitchers but gone like we don't know who the ace is of this group of course Greenhill is on Friday but like he has not been in that role before Richard Fitz really doesn't have experience just like we haven't seen him just like mow down hitters. That's not something we've seen. Mason Barnett, it's all talk right now. We haven't seen it yet. I want to see it. And so it's a new look Auburn team with a lot of experience as well. I don't know what to expect. And the genesis of what I was saying was, you know, that Omaha team turned it on at the end, but during the season they were up and down. And really it was frustrating. They almost didn't make the NCAA tournament that year. And then you talk about 
Last season, they were 13-5, and five, and once again, it was kind of up and down through that first little bit, got swept by UCF, lost some midweek games. I don't know what this Auburn team's really made of right now because some of those key players from that Omaha run are no longer here. Other guys are, though. A large portion of them are still here, but I don't know what this Auburn team's made of, and it's easy to be a little reserved going into this baseball season. You can be excited about the talent on the roster, but it's easy to be a little reserved because you don't know 100% what these guys really are made of and it's been a year and a half almost now since we've seen them play baseball so it's been quite some time since we've seen them in action and how far have they improved without you know live reps against legitimate college baseball teams it's been a long time now it's not like Auburn's playing playing a great team tomorrow or this weekend but and it's a great tune-up for them going into that round rock classic we'll know everything we need to know after that round rock classic or at least a good baseline point for them before they get into SEC play about a month from now, I think that's I think that's the good thing. I think that's the that's where we're going to be able to see what this Auburn team is. Mainly with that Round Rock Classic, I think after this weekend, I think everybody should expect Auburn to take care of business at home this weekend. If they don't, that's then you should you know maybe be a little bit you know concerned. But I think being reserved with this baseball team is the right move to make. Again, you have a lot of guys coming back, but you have a lot of guys dipping out. A completely different pitching rotation that's looking like I mean I think that they're just there's a lot that's changed and I think this team should be able to come on more towards the end rather than the beginning because I think a lot of this will be I think the pitching situation at least in terms of starting rotation I think it's going to change throughout the year I think it's definitely going to well of course Jack Owen will come back and that'll change some things once Jack Owen comes back it feels a little bit more solidified and unless unless those three guys are absolutely scorching the earth yeah, Jack Owen. And he is has have to go and back. stay in the bullpen. He'll he will have a he'll have a spot. Like you also, you said, he'll, he'll get a spot back. Also take into consideration what conference you're playing in. You have to think about that and be reserved. I mean, this team is talented, but you also gotta look at the teams they're gonna have to play against. Well, and you said who, something just a second ago that I thought was really interesting. You said a lot has changed. And that's true. A lot has changed. And and it's crazy to think about that considering this team has so much experience. Like, even a lot has changed with the stuff that hasn't, quote, changed, right? Yeah. I mean, there's there's guys that have been in the program for three, four years now and are coming back. But even stuff with those guys has changed because we haven't seen them play in a year and a half. Yeah. I mean, even with someone like Cody Greenhill, it's changed. He's starting. I mean, he's going to be starting yes. on Friday. That's, that's a change that you're Massively making. Massively different role than the last time we saw Auburn consistently play baseball. I'm not counting last year. Again, Auburn last didn't year, get through non-conference play before the year shut down. Last year was last year's just a scratch year. I mean, you can use that as, you know, to look at and have a little bit of concerns with, you know, the UCF dropping to midweek. I believe they lost to Wofford in the midweek, if I'm not mistaken. And Wofford was one of the better midweek teams they played, but yes. You shouldn't lose the Wofford. You can't lose to Wofford in the midweek. That's that's going to get everybody up in arms who's watching Auburn baseball if you lose to Wofford in the midweek. We opened this segment talking about Richard Fitz being named to the Golden Spikes Award watch list, which is a list full of some of the best players in the country, Auburn and LSU. The only two teams in the country over the last four years to have a pitcher named to the watch list each of the last four seasons. Richard Fitz, I was talking about he's improved over the years. He's, you know, in 2019 in that Omaha run, 5.31 ERA to last year in his, let's see, he had six appearances last year, which is more appearances than Greenhill. He was 1-0, had a 2.77 ERA. He started in one game. He only threw 13 innings pitched despite the six appearances there. So he only averaged about two innings in appearance he gave up nine hits across those 13 innings 
four earned runs, five walks, 16 strikeouts. So he's averaging about a strikeout an inning, only gave up one home run. He had a uh, his opponents hit 200 against him. Impressive. It is what it is. It is, it is what it is. So. But it was in the non-conference, and it wasn't the most difficult non-conference in the world either. That's true. That is true. I, I'm not dogging the guy. I think he's good. And once again, everybody's talking about this. And Auburn, Auburn fans and other fan bases do this too. Fans do this. Fans get hyped up over something, right? Like fans will fixate on one thing with sports teams yep. and hype it up before they've even seen anything. They will hype it up. And even at Auburn, we got a full year of Jarrett Stidham in football, and we hyped it up, didn't we? Like, we thought, Ooh. oh, man, this guy's Heisman conversation. This team's going back to the national championship. That's just an example. But we, uh, Jeremy Johnson's another great example. And we even saw him play. Like, we saw more of Jeremy Johnson, at least more substantial playing time of Jeremy Johnson than maybe we have of Richard Fitz. And people have really hyped up Richard Fitz because you see the Golden Spikes Award watch list. You see people talking about him being a, a high draft pick this upcoming year. I mean, we talk to folks about this, and they're super high on it. And I'm not saying they're wrong. It's just it's easy to still be reserved going into this new baseball season where we haven't seen it yet with a lot of these guys. This isn't Tanner Burns or Casey Mize returning for year two after scorching their earth. This is a guy that a lot of people are high up on, but it's been a year and a half since we've seen him with any consistent playing time. I mean, he threw 13 innings last year. Only 13 innings. He threw 62 the year before that. And I know, I know baseball shut down and sports shut down and the world shut down, but that's still a factor going into this season. These guys are getting live reps for the first time, and I think some people are going to thrive and some people are going to wilt. It'll be interesting to see what this Auburn baseball team looks like this weekend. I think I was wrong earlier when I said that Richard Fitz could get some national attention because MLB.com has him as the 17th ranked prospect going into a draft exactly that's what i'm saying like he, he's all, already listed as a as a top tier prospect going into the mlb draft yeah i mean that's, but that's based a, on yeah. i'm not it's, dogging it's based it, off but based potential. on what exactly. it's based off of potential it's it's like when you see i'm gonna equate it to football because you know that's where i my strong suit is especially with the nfl where you see a guy who comes out who's six six or you know jeremy johnson's a great one a guy who's six six who has a cannon for an arm but it's just a raw talent it seems more like that. Like it's you see, got to translate at you, some point. You see a guy who has all the potential in the world, and maybe he just hasn't had enough opportunities to showcase that yet. But he's got the he's got the potential to do that. We just have to see it come to fruition. And that's everything about this Auburn baseball team. They've got the talent. They've got the potential. It just has to translate. And this is the opening weekend of them trying to do something big here, trying to go back to Omaha. You're listening on the line on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the Line, the drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more, all on Fox Sports Central Alabama on FoxSports983.com and on Facebook. That's Fox Sports. 983.com and joining us on the phone lines now we got justin ferguson of the auburn observer with us justin how you doing today my man i'm doing well how are y'all 
We're doing great. I hope you're staying warm out there. I know it's nasty weather for a lot of folks. Uh, and I, I hope you're, you know, hold up and putting out some great content out there, as I know you are. And uh, so let's get into it, talking about some Auburn basketball here then. Uh, some content probably got swept out the way, though, with, uh, with no Auburn basketball game during the midweek this week. Postponement due to icy and inclement weather. Is this a chance for Auburn basketball to reset? I mean, one and three in their last four. It seems like they need a chance to take to, to, to catch their breath. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, this is a team that uh, had been kind of fatigued, kind of hit a wall. Some of these guys have been kind of, you know, physically. Um, so, you know, it's going to be, I think, maybe a little bit of a blessing in disguise. That, that Mississippi State matchup, if they could make it up, that was, that was a game that was a pretty winnable home game, I thought, for Auburn. Um, you know, so you'd want to get that matchup. LSU, if they end up playing it on Saturday, is, is, is a much tougher uh, draw for sure because they're, you know, an NCAA, possibly an NCAA tournament team. But, yeah, I think – just getting some, uh, just getting their their legs back under them because it's going to be a brutal stretch coming up. You get LSU, you have Tennessee, you have Florida, you have Alabama. You know, potentially you can have State at the end of it if they if they move it back to that last weekend of the season. So, um, you know, I, I think I think that extra rest could only help Auburn. Um, but you know, we'll see. We'll see how much uh, that affects them uh, whenever they get to take the floor again. On KenPalm.com, and I know you're a big nerd scat uh, nerd stat guy. On luck, Auburn is ranked 315th in the country. And, uh, you know, a lot of people might be wondering what luck is and how you can quantify that. It's just basically a deviation away from what Kim Palm expected Auburn to do in a basketball game based on his statistics and whatnot. And correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, but this Auburn, this Auburn team, uh, among one of the most unlucky teams in the country, would you agree with that sentiment? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, yeah, Luck just says, hey, this is how good you're supposed to be playing. And, and if your record's how far off the records, kind of look for it. I mean, since Sharif Cooper has been back in action, Auburn uh, has not really gotten blown out in an SEC game. Uh, they've lost a lot of close games. Uh, and, you know, just one, two possession uh, differences. You know, you flip a couple of those around, you're talking about a team that's got one of the best records in the SEC. And all you got to do is change just the way a couple of possessions go in, 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 in certain games. So, yeah, I mean, I think Auburn fans are disappointed uh, with the record is the way it is, kind of the, the way the season has gone with Shreve Cooper being out for most of, the, most of the first part of the year and Justin Powell's injury and no NCAA tournament. But I think you're seeing this team really come together. And, Joe, I think you're seeing some individual development from these guys that I think is going to set the tone for next season. So I think Auburn is better than – they play better than their record indicates, and in a year where the record doesn't really matter, um, you know, because Auburn's not going to the postseason, uh, I think Auburn fans can kind of hold on to that a little bit and uh, look ahead to what could be a pretty bright future. Five games left here for Auburn. They got well, four games left now. I mean, if they, we'll see if they what happens with the Mississippi State game to get it because they did say it was postponed, not canceled. But we'll see what happens with that. With four games left here in the SEC for Auburn at LSU this weekend. Two home games against Florida, 19th-ranked Tennessee, and then they wrap up the year at number 8 Alabama right now. You know, realistically, what is Auburn looking at in terms of wins and losses over those last four games? Yeah, I feel like if Auburn split those last four, you, you take that as a success just because those are some tough matchups. Like, I think is your easier matchup. You get them at home. They've, they've been very up and down this year, but they've got talent. Tennessee is one of those teams that defensively is going to be uh, you know, kind of a grinded out kind of kind of team, but we've seen some kind of lower ranked teams and non ranked uh, beat Tennessee this year. So I mean, Auburn's fully capable of doing it. and They've played uh, Alabama arguably as good as anybody in the SEC has had this season. 
LSU was pretty spread as well. So they're capable of going four and zero. They're capable of going zero and four in this stretch. So I think if they split it down the middle, um, you'll take that for Auburn and just have something you can build on, uh, you know, going forward. Um, you know, each of those matchups kind of have their pros and cons to them. I think when Auburn is locked in offensively and not turning the ball over quite as much, this is a team that can they can have with anybody in the country. Um, but you know, it's it's one of those things where. Uh, can they take care of the ball, and can they continue building on their defense? If they do that, you know they'll have a they'll have a chance to make some noise here down the stretch. Uh, but you know, young team and an unlucky team as we just talked about you know, has the potential to get in a little rut here to the end of the season. I saw last night that there was a crystal ball prediction for Scooter Henderson in the 2022 class, number 14 overall prospect, five star. 6'3 point guard. Do you have anything to tell anybody about this guy? I mean, just looking at him right now, he looks like he's going to be a monster athlete. Yeah, he, yeah, he is. And I think he's just the next in line for Auburn in the kind of the position, a little bit taller than maybe some of their more recent point guards. But <laughs> the way Auburn likes to play, likes to play fast, uh, likes to shoot from anywhere on the floor, is a very good distributor. And it's just another example of Auburn going into Atlanta and saying, all right, well, we will – we want your best players. We're going to dominate this area in recruiting. And a lot of people think Henderson's going to end up at Auburn. Um, they, they've been considered the favorite for a while. be very, very interesting to see where it goes. If, if Drew Cooper comes back next season uh, for Auburn, um, you know, you have a situation where, you know, Sharif plays another year and probably goes to the NBA after that. And then, boom, you got a guy ready to slide right in uh, with them at, at that point. Um, you know, if not – you know, if, if it's a situation where uh, Trey Cooper does go to the next level and, and Henderson commits to Auburn and you know you're bringing him in uh, in a couple of seasons, I think what Auburn can do at that point is say, hey, find a graduate transfer, find a senior point guard, um, you know, and say, hey, come play with JT Thor, now in Flanagan, and, and uh, you know, Jalen Williams, and, of course, Jabari Smith. Um, so I think it would make Auburn a pretty good transfer destination. So, you know, continuing to get this guy, I think he's going to be key to the future uh, for the program. I think in Landon, uh, but he is very much uh, a guy that fits a lot uh, what Auburn has to do at the point guard position. He, he looks like he's made to play in a Bruce Pearl system, and uh, Auburn's been really working hard on him, uh, recruiting him for a while, and, uh, and you know it looks like it might pay off soon. Both of Auburn basketball signees, Jabari Smith, Trey Alexander, they were named McDonald's All American nominees today. Man, how far has this basketball program come that that Auburn's going to have two top 100 guys in the mix there to, to be McDonald's All-Americans? I'm sure only one of them will be, but uh, that, that's still huge for this Auburn program. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, Jabari Smith is a potential one-and-done talent, you know, number five player in the country. Uh, he is a modern basketball player. He's six foot ten and can do anything you want him to do on the floor. He is a great face-up shooter. He can create off the dribble. Um, he's just a really good all-around offensive who who plays hard on the defensive end as well. And is I it think, fair to compare know, him to Kevin Durant? That's <laughs> the one that a lot of people want to go with. Yeah, like you know, to be a guy who plays face up like that and you're six ten, that's the natural comparison. I think there's a lot of style uh, to, to to go with him. When you watch the play, you can see, okay, yeah, that's where he kind of kind of makes a lot of sense. Um, where you know the Durant comparisons come in for sure. Um, and 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 he's he's going to be he's going to be an elite player and he's going to be a player that people are going to want to play with. I I think Auburn fans don't overlook Trey Alexander. I love watching Trey Alexander's film. Um, he is a great two guard. Uh, he is 
a guy who can create his own shot, but he's also deadly in the catch and shoot. He's got great range. Um, you know, I, I told uh, Auburn fans once uh, when they were asking about him, I said he kind of reminds me as if you put, you know, Jared Harper's kind of, uh, you know, range and pull up ability and you know creativeness uh, in in a Bryce Brown kind of kind of package because he's a very, very big three and D kind of guy. He's a great shot blocker um, for for a two guard. Um, and I like Trey Alexander a lot. Auburn needs more guards. Auburn needs more off-ball guards uh, that can be offensive weapons for them. Moving forward, you see how much the Justin Powell injuries kind of affected this rotation this year. So, yeah, Alexander, I mean, he's putting up monster numbers out in Oklahoma uh, pretty much every time he steps on the floor. So don't overlook him as well. I think both of those guys are going to have really, really big impacts on Auburn next season. Kind of a fun question here for you before we uh, before we let you get out of here. Obviously, uh, I don't know how much you keep up with the TBT stuff, but Simeon Bowers announced he, he's going to be playing with War Ready, and I I, I want to know what's, what's a favorite memory of yours of, of, of Simeon Bowers playing some ball at Auburn? No, oh, I mean I, I guess it's you know it's pretty generic, but like anytime he decided to go coast to coast, right, like grab the <laughs> rebound, just fly down the floor, the point center himself. Um, you know he is a He's, he was a fan favorite, and he, he was one of those guys that, um, you know, it was unpredictable where he was going to kind of go. But, like, man, when he was locked in and playing, he was a really, really good weapon during those weird years for Auburn. He was a fun player to watch. Uh, you know, when I was in college at the Plainsman, um, he did a one interview with uh, with one of our writers, and, and we got a really good story out of it and where he kind of told his background and kind of how he came to Auburn was really gracious with his time, really nice. And he's been a guy that's been a, a, a favorite of mine uh, over the years. So I'm really glad that we're going to get to see uh, Simeon Bowers play some basketball on TV down the road and uh, do it with a lot of Auburn guys. It's kind of interesting to think, but Simeon Bowers is an Auburn basketball icon. Like, he will be remembered oh, yeah. for a long time. And that's kind of interesting to think about when you talk about the teams that he played with. But he is an icon. And Justin Ferguson, as are you. You are an Auburn icon as well. Tell everybody <laughs> where they can find your stuff. Uh, Oh, man, you're too kind. Uh, AuburnObserver.com is where you can check me out. Follow me on Twitter, JFergusonAU. $6 a month, $60 a year. Uh, subscribe at the at the website. You get a few stories a week and a couple podcasts as well uh, emailed straight into your inbox. So check us out there. And uh, appreciate you all having me on. Appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a good evening and stay warm out there. Absolutely. Y'all too. Thank you. That was Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Do you have a quick memory real quick? Levi? That, was, that was what I was he literally took what I was going to say I was going to say every time that he was the point guard the point center as he called it those are that's what I always will remember about Simeon Bowers yo he actually had to play point guard though yeah he of, did yes. <laughs> because he, of that fight that happened at that SEC tournament Simeon Bowers was hype man happy about happy about that on the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7 Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station, on the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. We're wrapping up our number one here on On the Line, but first, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. 
Hey, everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. It's a game show lineup on ABC starting at 7 with Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. At 8, it'll be The Chase and following again at 9, The Hustler. In the quest for the world championship in BattleBots, it's the round of 32 on Discovery at 7. Movie selection for tonight, if you're looking to kill three hours, you can hunker down with Forrest Gump on AMC at 7. Thursday night, college basketball opens up in the American Athletic Conference at 6 on ESPN2 with number 6, Houston at Wichita State. A top 25 matchup in the Big Ten with number 11, Iowa, at number 21, Wisconsin, at 6 on ESPN. At 7, currently viewed as a one seed, number 4, Ohio State, will battle it out on the road at Penn State on Big Ten Network. Moving to the 8 p.m. time slot, St. Mary's and number 1, Gonzaga, square off on ESPN. On ESPN2, we've got Arizona at UCLA. Going back to the Big Ten on FS1, Rutgers and number 3, Michigan, will take the floor. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Big Ten's on full display tonight in college basketball, so that'll be some fun games tonight for people to keep up with. Ramping up our number one here on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you. Let's revisit some Auburn basketball that we were just talking about with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer, Auburn icon right there. Uh, once again, we thank him for joining us on the show today. If anybody missed any piece of that conversation, if they've missed any part of today's show, if they ever miss a show, go and find us wherever you get your podcast war tampa rebranded to war ready this is the auburn alumni the basketball tournament team and, and it, for those out there that aren't familiar with the basketball tournament it is a tournament that occurs during the summer every year it's been going on for several years now and people get together typically former college players some people that are playing overseas they come together and they make these teams and they play for the two million dollar prize money at the end of the year and everybody gets a cut. Most people coming away with about four hundred thousand dollars, you know, three hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars. So it's a nice little, it's a nice little cash payout there to go out there and and play some basketball for about a month or, or so of just hooping, a couple of weeks of just hooping. And this past year, Auburn had a, a flare on it last summer in the in the thick of the pandemic. It was great to get to see some basketball albeit it was some former players and, and they met up with some other guys that were a part of an original team called uh was it team tampa or whatever and then it changed to war tampa because of having such a heavy auburn influence on it well this year they have decided to rebrand completely as war ready and it being the auburn alumni team and there are a lot of alumni teams playing this marquette is always in the mix to win the basketball tournament ohio states has been in the mix in it several years i don't know did marquette win it last year or what or was it see marquette's is called the golden eagles because marquette golden eagles and then ohio state's called carmen's crew i think they did win carmen's sure crew or marquette no i think marquette i think the golden eagles won and then you have auburn now that is war ready what do you think of the name change I didn't like War Tampa either, but I'm not a huge fan of War Ready. I liked War Tampa better than War Ready. I I didn't hate War Ready. I like the logo that they put out with that. The logo's raw. Yeah, the ro- it logo's, looks awesome. Logo's fantastic. But I didn't have a problem with War Ready until you threw out what your name should have been, the War Tigers. War Tigers and it or, just sounds or, or so War int- Eagles. Something it, better than than War Ready. Like, what is that? I just think War Tiger sounds so And I felt cool. surrounded. I felt surrounded by a lot of people. Everybody's like, love the name change. I'm like, 
the best you came up with was war ready. Maybe I don't, maybe I'm unaware of some like hidden meaning. Am I, am I unaware? Is it literally just a play on words of we're ready? I mean, I think so. Or you like, you could say that, you know, we're war ready. We're ready to go to war. That's kind of how I took oh. it. I just took it as like, we're war ready. We're ready to go to war. And I like, I like war that ready, but I still think war tigers would have been really cool. Yeah. Um, as in like you can't a war be ma- tiger, you know, you can't like, be marshals though. You can't beat heard that. You can't beat heard that. That is that is a great one. That's that's probably my favorite one out of all those. The Marshall alumni team that plays in the basketball heard that's tournament. Pretty good, but what about like Thunderdome Smash? Or, Thunderdome, or, Thunder, welcome to Thunderdome is a is a, is a nice one too. Because they're one. the Marshall Thundering Herd, but Auburn now going to have strictly an Auburn team, and they've already got some you know players like Deshaun Murray on the team. I'm trying to think about other guys, Leron Smith playing with those guys. Who else was on uh, it from last year? From last year. Do, 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 do. I, I think Horace roster. Spencer played on it last year, Horace didn't Spencer he? Pe- played on it last year. Yeah, you had Horace Spencer, but Bryce Brown. But I don't Brown. see him on the roster this year. Yeah, I don't know if he's playing this year. I don't, know I don't if he's see gonna... Bryce on the roster for this year, or am I wrong on that? Or is he there? I I mean, he's playing G League basketball right now. I'm trying to play. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't... Uh, for the Westchester Knicks on the same team that uh, Jared Harper's on. Poor Jared Harper. Starts balling out, gets hurt. Yeah. S- sad. Um, Simeon yeah. Bowers just announced that he's playing with those guys. That's huge. I'm pumped. I'm just so excited to see Simeon Bowers go behind the back on a dribble again. Uh, Malik Dunbar, and he playing That's on right. that team. Yeah, he he, that was he a huge announcement. Yeah. Um, Ooh, I don't know which one I'm more excited about now: Malik Dunbar or Simeon Bowers. I'm I'm definitely more excited for Malik Dunbar. Like I love both of he's them. He's gonna have the most hops out of anybody in, in in the in the basketball tournament. That dude is going to block someone off the glass, or he's going to posterize somebody. Some poor soul is going to get put into the hardwood. I'm having trouble finding this year's roster. I can easily go find to their last Twitter year's. account. They got they've got a they've got a list of it on their Twitter. Right, there account. we go. That would be the way to go. I'm upset that I'm not going to get to see Frankie. I wanted to see Frankie come out and play. Frankie Sullivan's coaching. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not going to get to see him now, and I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for him in his new coaching role. I'm shocked that we haven't seen Kenny Gabriel. Yeah, that's another one. He's that, overseas right now. That's another one that you would expect to come. He's playing in Montenegro. I did, I did some research on oh, that. He was in the G League last year with the Hawks affiliate, 2019 to 2020, but now he's, he's over in Montenegro, which is interesting i didn't know they had a professional basketball team who's who's another former player that you'd like to see play with this group that's realistic obviously don't go out there and say jared harper he's trying to make it in the league uh rob chubb i'd love to see chubb come back i don't think he's he's probably not basketball shape i would assume he's probably not in playable shape right now the one guy i forgot about daniel purifoy is also on he's on there yeah daniel's a good one to uh to see as well i'm having trouble because a lot of the canty a lot of the guys that i would have been my first like Go to like Malik Dunbar, Simeon Bowers. Those guys are already on there now. So like I have to really dig deep and think about some of these things now because a lot of those guys, you know, they're already on the team. So and then the one I wanted, Frankie, he's coaching now. So what what, what am I gonna do? Kareem Canty. That's a good one. Kareem Canty is a good His one. His play style would thrive in the basketball tournament, which is a whole lot more. It's not as rigid as regular basketball and if you watched last year's game for war tampa they weren't running plays they were so dysfunctional and obviously the best teams play together and they have chemistry and they do have plays and they're well coached but it's still a lot it's still more of a pickup style brand of basketball than traditional basketball obviously because these guys don't play year round so you have to there's a little bit more improvisation required in this tournament on a game-to-game basis and Kareem Canty would totally let that thing fly so what about a fun one that 
kind of an Auburn guy, kind of not an Auburn guy. Maybe a guy like Mustafa Heron could come and play because you know he had to he had to leave the program Ooh. under. Just, What's he up to right now? I I don't see him playing any professional basketball of any sort right now. He's not an Auburn alumni. He's not an alumni. I think they can make an exception and just kind of bring a you know bring a nice one because he's a St. John's it, alumni. It wasn't his fault that he had to transfer out. He had to transfer out for good reasons. That does it for hour number one of On the Line. No regard to Levi Fitzwater. We'll be back with you in a couple of minutes. Stay here with us on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. You are On the Line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama. On 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama, hour number two of the show here. And we've had a great first hour with you on On the Line. We opened up the show talking about some Auburn baseball. They're in action for the first time this season tomorrow against Presbyterian College. They named their starting rotation for the series tomorrow. Green Hill on Friday, Saturday, it'll be Richard Fitz. And then on Sunday, Mason Barnett. Richard Fitz also named to that Golden Spikes Award watch list. All indications pointing towards him having a breakout year. Rankin Rowley tabbed as preseason All-America by NCBWA. Man, I'm looking at my rundown right now and uh, not a fan of autocorrect. It changed Rankin Rowley to Ranking Rowley. Well, this guy's going to try and rank up there with some of the best hitters in the country with what he's going to look to do this year at the plate for Auburn baseball, trying to be a leader there in that lineup. We talked some Auburn basketball as well in that first hour. Got to speak with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. If you missed any of the first hour, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Phone lines are open. Number to call, 334-321-1390. And uh, you can also find Levi and I on Twitter, at Point Gardner, at Levi Fitzwater. We want to hear from you. Anything you want to talk about, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, what's on your mind, We'll try and talk hockey with well, hockey with you if that's if that's what you like. Uh, just whatever whatever you want to talk about sports related, the phone line is open. Hey, we used to call hockey games. We used to call you did not me. Oh, I didn't know if you did or not. I did to, not. We used to call some hockey games back in my day. You know, nothing like uh, nothing like you know saucing on the ice a little bit. You know, love love to talk some ice puck action. If anybody out there likes hockey. Call in. We'll answer some hockey questions. You will. I'll, hey, I'll, I'll, I'm Noah, gonna have a hard time. Yeah, Noah will set that one out. I'll talk. I can talk I'm about my abysmal time. sabers who are forever in the purgatory of never doing anything for ten, you know, plus years at this point. Let's open up hour number two here. Going back to Auburn baseball. It's been a pretty baseball heavy show today. Going into the season opener that is scheduled for tomorrow against Presbyterian. I believe it's a three o'clock first pitch. I think I'm right on that. I'll go back and check on that during this segment just to make sure that I'm correct on that. But I believe it's a three o'clock. It's either that or four. Uh, and so Auburn baseball tomorrow taking on Presbyterian, the first of a three-game series 
against, I believe their name is the Blue Hose. The Blue Hose, yeah. I saw that today, and I was very, very shocked by what I saw. I was, I was like, what like, is Whoa. that? I don't even know what that is. But uh, that they are, they, they'll be coming to the Plains tomorrow. They were 2-14 and 14 last year. Auburn baseball was 13-5 and five before everything shut down. Going back to what I was saying about Rankin-Woley, tabbed as a preseason All-America by NCBWA, who out of this lineup are you looking at closely going into the new year? I'm looking at Bryson Ware simply for the fact that who I've been talking to. It's no secret. I'm not the biggest Auburn baseball fan. I'm not going to sit up here and always preach that I know a lot about it. Jacob Hillman, he comes in and he's a lot like our baseball semi-expert because he knows a lot of it. If Jacob Hillman's high on somebody, I'll trust him because he watches that team to a T. And a lot that's coming out about this guy is he can hit the baseball. And I think that this guy's going to come out and he's going to he's gonna show off. I think he's going to be able to hit very well. And I think a lot of Auburn fans, fans of Auburn baseball, are really going to enjoy this guy, Bryson Ware. Bryson Ware is a, a player that is, is, new to, is new to the clubhouse for Auburn. I believe, yeah, he's a transfer, yeah, transfer this from year. JUCO this year. Yeah, and... and Jacob's really high up in this guy to bring some power to the plate. Of course, Rankin Woley was having a huge year last year, 412 at the plate before everything went down after 18 games. At a 1.105 OPS, he had eight doubles, two home runs, 22 RBI, 42 total bases, 618 slugging percentage, walked eight times, struck out 14 times, so he's averaging almost a strikeout a game. On base percentage of nearly at 500 is at 487. He was having a crazy year before everything went down. And, of course, that was against largely non-conference opponents. But even if you adjusted it, you see a lot of guys go down about 100. They, they go down about .1 off their batting average when you go into conference play because it's a huge step up going into the SEC. Even if he dropped 100, he's at 312. That's a good batter in the SEC. If you got someone batting above 300 in SEC play, that's solid. That's, that's a good batter. I mean, that's... You got someone woo. batting 280, I'm, I'm happy about it, because I, we're not used to that with the Auburn baseball team. But the guy that I'm looking at at the plate this year that I'm pretty excited to play some ball, and it's not just what he's going to do at the plate. It's, uh, it's infielder Ryan Bliss, who was batting 377 last year. He had 29 total hits. I believe he led the team in that category. He did. He led, he led the team in hits. He had an average of 377. Doesn't strike out a whole lot at the plate. He had five strikeouts. So I like that he's protecting the plate. He didn't walk a whole bunch either, though. He had five walks. So he was kind of a, in the middle tier or towards the lower end of the portion there for uh, for guys at the plate in terms of walks. But uh, you look at his on-base percentage. He was 412 at getting on base. Uh, what, what what all of those stats tell me about this is this is a guy that was putting the ball in play a lot. He's batting 377, like I said. He led the team in hits. He was hitting the baseball. He wasn't striking out. The fact that he had one of the lowest strikeout tallies on this team, but also one of the lower walk tallies on this team, tells me that he was he was putting the ball in play. And this guy's a contact hitter, but he still had two home runs last year. It, when you look at him, it doesn't look like he brings a whole lot of whole lot of pop to the plate. But he had seven doubles. Two triples, two home runs, 17 RBI. And this dude's batting towards the top of the lineup. So I'm excited to see what Ryan Bliss does this year. This is another dude that could shoot up the ranks when you're talking about MLB draft prospects this upcoming year. But even more so than what he does at the plate, I like what this dude does in the field because you can put him anywhere. You can put him at second. You can put him at shortstop. Those are typically he's going to be playing in the central infielder positions there. And um, I, I, I like what Auburn's got in Ryan Bliss. That guy's a stud. A couple of things to note. I looked up while you were talking about Ryan Bliss. Game tomorrow is at four. 
Not Excuse three. me, not three. Okay. Saturday is at two. I think you went right in the middle. I think you averaged out four and two and went right in the middle with three. Don't know. Also figured out what blue hose means. It was in reference in the early 1900s when they started playing, and they wore blue stockings. That's what I thought it was. I and was like, that is definitely that. spelled. That's a H-O-S-E is definitely spelled as like, you know, pants. It's a, it's a Red Sox, White Sox type of deal here where you have the blue hose of... Auburn's playing the blue pants tomorrow. Yeah, the blue pants So tomorrow. jeans. Auburn's playing blue jeans tomorrow. The blue jeans. That's fun. It's going to be a fun It's gonna be a fun one. I mean, I hope that Auburn can... Uh, hope Auburn sweeps Presbyterian this weekend. I hope they come out. They play well. I hope they give, a, I hope they give us something to come in here on Monday morning to be excited about. If that makes sense, I don't want to. Basketball wanna, season's nearing its end. I need baseball to do pretty well this year. Yeah, I want them. I want to come in Monday, and I want to be able to, to sit there. Too early to go all football on this show, man. <laughs> hey, hey, it's never too early. You got the draft around the corner. I mean, we could go. We could go for days on draft coverage if you guys like that. I'm sure a lot of people who are listening don't care about draft outside of the Auburn guys. But if you do, call in and tell us that you know if you want to hear about draft coverage. If there's anything you guys want us to talk about, just call in and tell us. We'll go for it. If we don't know about it. We'll figure it out. We'll talk we'll it with research you. for you. We'll research. We'll talk it with you. We'll figure it out. But yeah, I want the I want to, the big thing I'm looking forward to with this weekend. One, obviously, the pitching situation for me. I want to see how that works out on Friday night and Sunday night. Then obviously, want to see how Richard Fitz does in his role. See if he's if he's all hype or if he does have the potential to be that high draft pick in the MLB that a lot of people are rejecting to be. And then just I want something to come into on Monday to think. You know what? This team has potential. It doesn't mean they have to go out there and just look amazing, but even if they look bad in certain spots, something that you can sit there and go, you know what? This team looks like it's improved on this. This team looks like it's good at this. This team looks like it has this going for it. Don't know what that's going to be, but I want something something to get excited about going into that Round Rock Classic. You're going into every game this weekend finding out something new about Auburn baseball learn your identity figure out what this team is well it's not even the team doing that the spectators are going to see that because the team the team should know that I think the I think it's the fans seeing what what they have to offer with this team Greenhill has never made a collegiate start he's going to be making his first collegiate start tomorrow night against Presbyterian and then Richard Fitz had five games started and 21 appearances in 2019 he had one start last year in six appearances and he only threw the ball thir- he only threw the ball for 13 innings last season obviously most folks did not play too 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 much last year either because it was only across 18 games but he still doesn't have a whole lot of experience as a starting pitcher and then Mason Barnett as well has been traditionally a closer so you look at this group here with each of these starting pitchers there's something new that you're not going to learn everything based off of this first first series and I would I really hope you didn't because obviously people are going to improve as the year goes on and it's the first series but there's something new happening every single game this weekend for you to look at and it hasn't been that way for quite some time since I would say this is the first year we can say that about the Butch Thompson tenure since his first year he's been here and I'm and I'm talking strictly about opening weekend that going into opening weekend there was something new to see every single game going into it and two of these guys were really three of these guys have already been in the program for at least one year Fitz and Greeno have been in here for multiple years all three of these guys have been in the program but they're in new roles and Jack Owen's not pitching this weekend so it's opened up this scenario here in week one in series one for you to see some new things and that's exciting for me but you really hope that the questions are answered with positive 
answers instead of maybe some negative outcomes. I'm going to be I'm going to be disappointed if Auburn doesn't sweep Presbyterian. And my reason for that is that that's not bold. This is a bad team, but also you're an SEC team. Other SEC teams, they're playing Presbyterian. If they're playing Presbyterian week one, they're sweeping them. Now, I know baseball's a weird sport, and that's another reason why I don't totally always feel comfortable putting on, you know, Joe Namath like guarantees. Like, if you don't sweep them, I'm going to be a little disappointed. But look, if Auburn doesn't sweep Presbyterian this weekend, it's because they didn't bring it at the plate. If they do bring it at the plate and they still don't sweep them, it means Auburn got shell shocked one of those games. I want to see Auburn bring it at the plate every single game if you score you you should expect to go out there and score six runs in each of these games and once again i know baseball is a funny sport but look presbyterian pitchers are not going to have the stuff against most teams in this in this league that are going to be competing for ncaa tournament spots auburn should go out there and and expect to score a nice supply of runs this weekend where it shouldn't matter how you pitch you should go out there and you should handle your business out there uh, uh, enough to be able to win all three of these games. And it, and it starts at the plate. I think it's funny you said that because I was sitting over here thinking I was going to ask you, what what where would your panic start? And you just answered that. If they don't sweep, I feel like that's where your panic starts a little bit. Well, no, my, my panic starts if they don't hit well. Yeah, even, even, even if, if they Auburn, sweep. Yeah, even if they sweep, if they don't hit well, then you're panicking for the SEC play. I'm panicking for the Round Rock Classic. I'm panicking. I mean, even if this is the first series since, you know, the first meaningful ball that's being played, it feels like since 2019, because I'm scratching 2020. It's been a long time since these guys have have really gotten into a rhythm of playing baseball. This is the first series of a new year, and it's the first series of a new year after not even getting to play a full season last year. I understand that there might be a little bit of a learning curve there, but these guys have still been playing baseball. They've still been in the cage, and they're playing a bad team across these three games. If Auburn can't hit going into this series and they don't do it well, how can I fathomably expect them to do it in the Round Rock Classic? And so it's big for me. The biggest question for me going into this college baseball season for Auburn is can they consistently hit the baseball can they get on the scoreboard it has not been a problem for Auburn on the mound Butch Thompson has had this team throwing lights out he's had aces that can earn you Friday and Saturday night dubs and has gotten him to the NCAA tournament has gotten him to Omaha Auburn has rode these arms all the way through this but it hasn't always been with help with with run support and And Auburn needs run support this year and you see it when they get just a little bit of run support they they're, can make it, they they're can, a great baseball you team. You can make it to Omaha if you get just a little bit of help. You have a you have just a few guys who step up, like Stephen Williams did that run. Just a few guys that can step up and start hitting the ball just a little bit better. They can take off. And just going off, if you can't hit a bit against Presbyterian, you really think you're gonna hit a hit in conference play, the round rock tournament the next week? Like what are you gonna it's it's something that can improve upon, but can you really expect them to improve upon it if they go out and show that they can't hit against Presbyterian? And I think they'll do fine this weekend. I think they'll I hit too. well. I think you know all you know all indications from the way that they hit last year in non-conference play already went through some of the averages. They were they had several guys above three hundred. They were hitting fine in last year's non-conference. I think they do fine this weekend. But my major question going into this college baseball season, and we'll be talking about it a whole lot more in depth next week when they're going into the Round Rock Classic because that's when they're playing ncaa tournament arms when they're going against ncaa tournament stuff on the mound 
that that will be where we really learn about what this lineup's made up of. It, it'll give us a baseline before you go into SEC play because the rest of the non-conference schedule is not that difficult. So that's your baseline series there. This Auburn team, they're going to have to hit this year, and they're going to have to do it with consistency if they're going to do better than sixth in the SEC West, which can still get them to the NCAA tournament. But it, it, it takes a lot for uh, it, it takes a lot at the plate to be able to do better than than sixth in the SEC West and Auburn has been really up and down in that portion of their game over the years even in 2019 when they went to Omaha they were very up and down throughout the season almost didn't make the NCAA tournament because they couldn't hit they get to the NCAA tournament that year and they got hot and at the plate and, and they made it all the way to Omaha that's the difference there it's like Auburn Auburn went from almost not making the NCAA tournament 2019 to making it to Omaha because of what they could do hitting the baseball during the postseason that's the greatest like that's right there that's what Auburn's ceiling could be if they can hit the baseball and a lot of those guys are back so let's see what they could do because they have experience in Omaha and I'm sure they're hungry getting back I wouldn't put all your expectations on them going to Omaha because only eight teams can make it and it's it's just as difficult as making I don't know which is more more difficult making it to the elite eight in college basketball or making it to the to Omaha in baseball they're both incredible feats just to make it that far you're listening to on the line on espn 106.7 and on fox sports central alabama back on on the line noah garner levi fitzwater with you on espn 106.7 and on fox sports central alabama hope everybody's having a great day today phone lines are open number to call 334-321-1390 find levi and i on twitter at point gardner at Levi Fitzwater. Switching gears to some Auburn basketball talk here. Both of Auburn basketball signees, Jabari Smith and Trey Alexander, were named McDonald's All-American nominees. Now, they're not for sure McDonald's All-Americans yet. They're just nominees. Later this month, they will release the McDonald's All-Americans. And that this is, you know, this is huge to see Auburn basketball at this point to have now and it seems like every year we're saying something like this at some point during the season man how far has this Auburn basketball team came you know Sharif Cooper was a McDonald's All-American Chumo Kiki somehow wasn't I don't know how that slipped through the cracks but one of the top players in Georgia if not the top player in Georgia I can't remember wasn't a McDonald's All-American but Sharif Cooper is and uh, that's hype for Auburn basketball to have brought in one of one of those players into their program but now they've got two signees that are at least nominated for it and one of them is for sure going to be a mcdonald's all-american because he's a potential top five draft pick next year and that's jubari smith but man there's a lot to look forward to for auburn basketball next year does it put any kind of damper on it for you that auburn could potentially finish this year with a losing record like what's the positive spin moving forward throughout this season because i feel like there's some apathy permeating throughout the program right now or maybe not in the program but throughout the fan base that's so funny that's so funny that you're saying that this team is apathetic when you have a guy who's probably going to go top 10 in the nba draft this well, i don't year. mean the team is apathetic i mean the fan base is apathetic around it well no that's what i'm saying like i'm the fan like if the fans are apathetic about a team where you're putting out a guy who's going to be a top 10 pick in the nba draft you know probably probably going to be a top 10 pick in the nba draft either this year if not this year next year if he decides to come back I, I there's man if you just look back on some of those teams that they were putting out like I remember going to games my senior year of high school where we were getting just shellacked by Florida not like not in a oh you know they beat them by 20 points and they, they just went on that run like it was never close from the jump 
to be to be apathetic about a team that is bringing in this caliber of recruits and is putting out a product where yeah this team has you know I don't think you can blame folks though I, I they've come to expect it I mean they've gotten used to the winning they got used to the winning they're I mean that's that's a sign of a good program at the moment though if you if your fan base gets apathetic about a team that isn't meeting the expectation that just means that your also team, think it's a trickle down effect of Auburn football. I think so too. I think and, for, and I, the general fatigue in the country is like, oh, this has been a terrible year. And like you talk about a terrible year for athletics, it's been a terrible year for Auburn athletics. Oh, I agree with that. I I agree that it's been a terrible year for Auburn, which athletics. is a prime breeding ground for and, Auburn baseball to generate the hype train. Am I right? Like well, you think we went from people could latch on to that if things if if oh, they yeah. pop off. It went from going to a Final Four, going to Omaha to. The lackluster performance we saw of football, firing a head coach, bringing in a guy that a lot of people weren't sold on as a football coach, NCAA sanctions, no Sharif Cooper for the start of the year. And then when he comes back, they've lost a lot of close games that a lot of people think they shouldn't lose. I mean, I can understand why the Auburn fan base is getting tired because most of these guys are watching all the sports and I understand why you're tired. I get it. I can now understand Auburn that. basketball can't play in the postseason. It, yeah, it like stinks. that's, and you're just like, man, like this is what we were looking forward to all football season. You, you were thinking, <laughs> like, man, this team is so talented, even though they're, you know, they're kind of falling behind in the SEC. If they could go to that tournament, it it just takes a couple a couple games to get hot, and the next thing you know, you're upsetting guys. I mean, you saw the year with KT Harrell where they were upsetting a few guys, and they ended up making a solid run for a team that really wasn't that talented in comparison to the rest of the SEC teams. Now, we've been critical of this Auburn basketball team this year. For they good reason. Be, and they should be critical of themselves as well because that's how you improve. You have to critique yourself. You have to critique your performance and self-evaluate. But I want to spin this in a little bit more of a positive direction here to talk about Auburn basketball, not only because Auburn's got two studs coming into the program Oof. next year. One player, want, borderline Kevin Durant coming talk out about, of high school. You want to talk about studs. I yeah. mean, the best recruit that Auburn's had ever, ever, ever in basketball. Ever. He, it's not a stretch and that's that is a pun intended. It is not a stretch to say that Jabari Smith is like Kevin Durant coming out of high school. He is. He's a top five player, and he's borderline going to be a top five overall draft pick. He plays the game the same way. Very similar players coming out of high school. It's going to be huge. I don't know if he's going to develop into a Kevin Durant like player, of course, but like I mean, he, he's got the same skill set. He's going to face you up. He's going to shoot shoot at you in the mid range and in the at three point uh, from three point. From the three-point line. I don't know why I'm having a hard time getting that out of my mouth. He's going to hit you from from mid-range, from the three-point line. He's athletic enough to, to get you down low as well. He's not a back-to-the-basket player, but he, he is going to spray it. And he's six foot ten doing it, too. He's lanky. I mean, he looks a lot like Kevin Durant's slim frame. You know, what, what do they call well, Kevin Durant again? The, the Slim Reaper. Yeah. And he hates that nickname, too. That's funny. And so think about the last guy who was naturally compared to Kevin Durant in a guy like Brandon Ingram. And if that's your floor is Brandon Ingram, who has put together a very solid NBA career as of late. It took him a while to develop. He had a little Yeah, his shot took a long time to get there. He had some health issues, but once he got to New Orleans, he started I mean, last year he had a coming out party and was playing great. If that's your, you know, borderline floor, you're still a great NBA or a very good NBA player. I don't want to say great just yet. I mean he had a great year last year, but put together a couple years, I'll say you're a great NBA player. A very, very good NBA player is your floor. I mean, that's that's crazy. If that's your floor and Kevin Durant's your ceiling. This kid could be special. This kid could be just off of potential alone. Again, don't want to get too much on the hype train, but he could be. He could be the best player that comes out of Auburn. He really could be in terms of basketball. He could usurp that role 
from Charles Barkley no, if he develops. Stop. <laughs> He's Pump it, the brakes. I'm saying if he develops. <laughs> I'm not saying it's gonna happen. I'm not saying I'm predicting that to happen. But just with this guy's abilities, he could really do that. And if not, he's I, if not, he could definitely be one of the top ten, top five players to come out of Auburn basketball program. The talent of the potential is there. I'm not yeah. getting there with no. That. I'm not saying that uh, it's going to happen. He's not going to surpass. Sir, he's not going to surpass Charles. He he will never surpass. Nobody will ever pass Charles Barkley in the Auburn fan base. If that makes sense. Like only. He, hey, he, look, Levi. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. So I'm not. I'm not saying that nobody will ever surpass Charles Barkley. But I, I don't want to say that this guy is for sure going to either. At least within the next like. 30 to 50 years there won't be someone who passes him in the fans eyes because I mean you got to think Charles Barkley is more to Auburn outside of just a basketball player he's an Auburn icon he is a television personality he's a television personality I mean in one of the best ones and one of the most popular ones at that that's why I don't think anybody could ever pass Charles Barkley in Auburn basketball fans eyes in terms of just overall recognizability but he could end up having a better career in terms of or maybe even a comparable career in the NBA with this kid's talent if he puts it all together. Again, raw. It's all potential. It's just like we said earlier with Fitz. It's all potential, but the potential is there. You're talking about an all-timer, though. He has that kind of potential with his ability. We say that every year about top five draft picks. Exactly. Though. That's what I'm saying. Okay. You know, like I'm not trying to— It just to... doesn't pan out ever, though. It's yeah, like that's what these, I'm saying. I'm not saying These guys it's... are the top half percent. Of yeah. all time basketball. I don't want to say like I don't want it to come off as I'm saying that this is gonna happen and I think this is gonna happen. I'm just saying that you don't you can't look at every player coming out and say that guy has potential to be a great. This kid has potential to be a great if all of that comes to fruition. You just is it gonna happen? Probably not. But there is that potential there that this kid could be a great. And his floor looks to be just a good NBA player, that's not bad either. Or a great NBA player. I just I'm just having a hard time getting there with you on like Hall of Fame status. It's just that's so far out. But going back to where this conversation originally was supposed to sit at, we we were talking about, you know, spinning when you're being compared to Kevin Durant, I mean that's what happens. You that's start, fair. You Kevin w- Durant is a Hall of Famer. That is fair. Yeah, he's got to win a ring. He has. I don't Durant, count he's won multiple rings. I don't count that. <laughs> I don't count Steph Curry won those rings. What did Kevin Durant do? What what's that guy ever done for you? Kevin Durant elongated the the dynasty for the Golden State Warriors. I think I think it's legit. How many rings he won in in Brooklyn yet? None. I mean, he's only played one year. He didn't even. I mean, he didn't play last year. I mean, well, nobody played weak, last year. <laughs> weak, weak. He didn't want to play for the Nets. Weak. Talking about Auburn basketball here, though, still is trying to spend their season in a positive way. We kind of went off the tracks there a little bit. Just a brief point that I want to make: KenPom.com, Auburn at three hundred and fifteenth right now in the luck rating, which is basically like. Auburn is evaluated, you know, in terms of efficiency on KenPom.com, and they actually have like a, a relatively high offensive efficiency at 29th in the country on defense. They're 89th, but essentially KenPom.com has evaluated Auburn based on efficiency margins, and then it's like, are they winning or losing in games? And this is kind of like, you know, teams winning close games or versus teams losing close games, and Auburn's losing all of their close games as opposed to winning all of their close games. So Auburn season could be vastly different had they won some of those close ones. And we might be looking at them a little bit different this year. That was the only point I wanted to make. We'll be back with more of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back.
30 minutes left of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you. Find us on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. And still talking some Auburn basketball here with you. The Auburn-Mississippi State game obviously postponed. We talked with Justin Ferguson a little bit about this. Auburn's next game. Auburn basically got a week off from Saturday, losing to Kentucky, and then having to go to Baton Rouge to take on LSU. I think this is good for Auburn that the game got postponed, not only because of the the nasty weather that has been sweeping through the southeast, but I think this is good for Auburn because it gives them a chance to catch their breath. Yeah, it's good to have a nice relaxation period. I mean, this team has been going and going and going, and you get a week off. That's great. That's really good. Circumstances aren't ideal. You know, I'm hoping the best for everybody out there dealing with that inclement weather out through Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, all of those. You know, we've seen a lot of those horrible pictures that have been going on where the South is just not equipped to handle weather like that. And I hope everybody's staying safe, staying warm. And if you're not, I'm hoping that it is on the way. Brighter skies are coming for you. It's the right move, I think, to postpone this game. But from a basketball perspective, it's great for Auburn because it does help them get a lot of rest going into a very good you know LSU team that's borderline on the tournament right now or they're in the tournament if I'm not they're mistaken. in the tournament I didn't know if they were like borderline or not I I know they they're a lower well. seed but I'll go and get some bracketology on them right now they are they were last time I checked I think I saw them as like a 10 according to Joe Lenardi on ESPN so for 10 a power conference 10 is usually a very very French team at oh, least yeah. in that so 100 percent you're it, not wrong do you think it so let's let's change that just from off the top of my head do you think if Auburn beats LSU, do you think that knocks them out? Do you think that they're not looking at being in the tournament? Do you think that puts them on that outside looking in at this point? Because I think it, I, mean, I think it could. College basketball is so down this year. They're listed as an eight right now, and they're on and they're on the come up after beating Tennessee. They're in uh, right yeah, now. For, uh, LSU would we have to them. go on quite the slide. We to picked not them. Make it. We picked them to beat Tennessee, and I forgot they beat Tennessee. And they beat them bad too. They beat yeah, them by yeah, like it, was, it wasn't even close. It just, LSU's eight and four in the SEC, thirteen and six overall. I mean, they're third. I think they're a lot. The you think they're pretty right much now. a lot for the tournament, unless unless things went heinously wrong over the next four games, which that won't happen because they're they're playing Auburn at home, which I think they beat Auburn this weekend. They're at Georgia. I think that that's a win as long as they don't fall apart offensively because LSU's not the greatest defensive team in the world, but offensively, man, they can put it up with the best of them. They're at twenty four. Arkansas maybe a loss. That's a tough place to go and play, and then they get Vanderbilt at home. I think LSU's looking at three and one over the next four games as long as things don't go heinously wrong this LSU team's in the tournament if anything LSU's got some room to be able to climb in their in their seeding right now I mean obviously we've seen them jump almost two seed lines already from from all the way up from possibly that 10 line where where they've been floating around at all the way up now to the eight they've got a chance possibly to maybe go up as high as seven or six based on some things happening in the SEC over the weekend I mean we saw Arkansas get ranked this week at 24th and they're the second best team in the league right now. Alabama's one still, obviously. They're going to win the league. They're at 12-1 and one in the conference. Arkansas's at 9-4 and four in the conference. LSU at 8-4. and four. Tennessee at 8-5. and five. Florida at 6-5. and five. If you want to talk about a team that's a fringe team right now that you could see out and then another team that could hop in, Florida's the team that could be left out. Ole Miss is the team that could jump in. They're at 12-8 and eight overall. 7-6 and six in the conference. Missouri's definitely on a downturn as well. Missouri's in the tournament as a lock. They're 13 and six overall, six and six in the SEC. Missouri's going to get in because they've stayed in the top 25. The perception about Missouri has kept them squarely in the bracket. I still and don't it's see ridiculous. it. I still don't see it. I know we we keep hammering this point home, but I just don't see it with Missouri. I just really don't, and I'm sorry. So right now on the bubble, 
for Joe Lenardi right now on ESPN's Bracketology. Ole Miss is all the way at next four outs. So they are in that fourth group of teams trying to make it into the tournament. They're a little ways out, but they're showing up on the radar. Ole Miss would have to finish incredibly strong to get into the tournament because 12 and 8 on the record look, looks pretty bad. But the thing about Ole Miss is they're on a four game winning streak at the moment that has seen them beat two top 11 teams. Tennessee was ranked 11th at the time that they played them and beat them. They beat a top 10 Missouri team, which once again, that is just a colossal misstep on the voters part on the, on the part of the voters to have them as a top 10 team. But Ole Miss right now, I mean, you got to look at them. Their two losses over their last eight games came to Arkansas on the road, but they lost by 15, and then they lost by 10 to Georgia. Georgia got hot during that stretch as well. Ole Miss is six and two over their last eight. And in their last four games, they're playing Mississippi State at home. They'll go to Missouri, who they've already beaten. They've got at Vanderbilt, which should be a win, and they host Kentucky. Ole Miss is looking at a 3-1 and one stretch right here if they lose to the only top 25 team. Then you're looking at a 15-9 and nine Ole Miss team going into conference tournament time. And they'll be in a pretty nice place in terms of conference record and conference standing. They'll, they'll be a bubble team, but they'll have a shot to get into the tournament. Ole Miss has peaked at the right point just to try and make the tournament as long as things don't, once again, go heinously wrong for Ole Miss. But if things go chalk for them over their next four and they beat the teams that they should beat, which, by the way, they're, they are in the SEC standings right now. They are higher than all four of those teams. If you know By standings, they should beat all four of these teams, and obviously that's not how things go. But if they win out, Ole Miss is going to be a... a they're going to be in the tournament, I think. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was over here looking. I think they go 3-1 and one over that stretch just because Ole Miss hasn't been the same team when they travel on the road. I think Missouri's probably going to come out and win that game against them, but they should beat Mississippi State at home. They play Vanderbilt on the road. I don't think their road woes really hurt them that bad at Vanderbilt. And then you're getting a Kentucky team at home that I just flat out think that this, misses, this Ole Miss team, I straight up think that they're better than Kentucky, and I don't think it's close. I think they're just a much better basketball team then Kentucky is set, especially playing at home. Well, they play the game similar, right? You know, they're both yeah. grind you out defensive teams, and it just depends on who's going to get more buckets in a game like that. Who I, can I, at least I, find some offense I in trust, a close game? I trust Shuler and Ole Miss at this point. I, I trust that team better than what I've seen out of Kentucky this year. What got us into this conversation was you said, you know, Auburn beating LSU, does it possibly put them out on the fringe? I think LSU, the way that they're trending right now, it's going to take some things to it's going to take a lot I they think, would have to bounce to, them out I think at worst they're two and two over the last four games like at worst I don't I can't see them dropping more than two of those games and they and I still think they're in the tournament probably yes. as a 10 in that scenario I think realistically as long they, as they, go they don't three get and one. put out of the SEC tournament in the first round or something like that as long as they don't go one and done in the tournament in the SEC tournament that is I, th- I think they're a lock you know they might fall as far as the bubble but I mean you look at what's on the bubble right now Minnesota's on the bubble Indiana's on the bubble North Carolina's on the bubble Drake is on the bubble as 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 getting in on a non oh yeah Drake Drake is a one loss team this year and Drake is trying to put out some teams like Stanford and and Maryland and and Boise State and Ole Miss teams that are traditionally a little bit more respected than a Drake you know what I mean because Drake has only got one loss this year I I don't think that Drake should be a bubble team I think they should be in the tournament I agree with that their one loss came to Loyola Chicago and if you're a fan of Ken Palm he he's big on them and has them up in the top 12 team top 12 team Loyola Chicago is regarded as a nine seed in Joe Lenardi's bracketology right now the Ramblers as a once again as a mid-major program Alabama on the two line right now they're not your traditional two-seed it's a down talent. Year. It's a down year for basketball. Let's be honest. It's a down year. And that's nothing against this Alabama team. That's this why Alabama they're on the two-line. This Alabama team is a good, great basketball team. 
when they want it, when they turn it on, when they're not dying by the three. They live and die by the three. When they're dying, eh, you've seen what happens to them. They're women. lackluster when they're dying by the three. When they're living, watch out. They are in it. They are they may be one of the they may be one of the best teams they in the want country. To be one they of can the beat best anybody. Teams. If you shoot sixty percent, you can beat anybody. Exactly. But that's the issue. That's why they're a two line this year and a down year, because they're inconsistent at times with their shots. Well, I think they're on the two line because they are still one of the best teams in college basketball, but this is a down college basketball. And so the best teams in college basketball this year, a top 10 team in college basketball this year means something different than it does in most years, because look no further than the atrocity that Missouri being ranked a top 10 team for, you know, multiple points this year. That's the point that I'm making is like with so many teams out, I mean, there's at least four teams that are traditional top 10 teams, Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, those teams are down. And they're all down at the same time. There's four spots up for grabs right there amongst those first two C lines on one and two where you typically see all four of those teams as a one or a two seed. And that's why it's up for grabs. But it's not like everybody else just got better because they were down. I just think college basketball is down in general. Missouri on Joe Lenardi's bracketology is finally down as far as a five seed. Finally. We talk bad about this team, but they're not good. I I just they're don't six see, and six in the SEC. It. They're not good. I just don't see it with them. I'm, I've yet to understand what the lore is with this team. I mean, I I have yet to see it. Ugly brand of basketball. They're inconsistent. They're on a three game losing streak, having lost eighty to fifty nine to Ole Miss, eighty six to eighty one to Arkansas, and oh by the week, oh, oh by the way, they lost in the midweek to Georgia this week, eighty to seventy. Yeah, they play South Carolina on the road this weekend, and South Carolina. South Carolina's been giving people fits when they come to Columbia. I mean, they gave Alabama a little bit of a work. They gave Ole Miss a good bit of work. I mean, don't sleep. Don't sleep on the Gamecocks this weekend. Don't sleep on them. They almost beat Alabama when Alabama came there. They only lost by three, 81-78. to 78. South Carolina is on a four-game losing streak right now, but they almost beat Alabama. They've been playing well at home. That's, that's important. They've been playing well at Columbia. Right, and they gave Ole Miss a run for their money. They only lost by seven there. Tennessee, though, blew them out in Knoxville earlier this week, so... Again, there is, they're 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 good at home. They're bad on the road. I mean, they're not a great bat. They're not a good basketball team. Let's be honest. They're a bad but, basketball team. But when they play at home, they can give you fits. Play on the road, yeah, they really, they really can't do anything. And Tennessee's the same way. Tennessee plays well at home. They're just a better basketball team. Play great at home. You put them on the road. They've been playing terrible this year. You saw what happened with LSU. So that's the scope of your SEC bracketology there, based on in our opinions on it right now. But to go back to where this segment started and how we just went across the entire SEC other than Arkansas and, and, and Florida as well. I wonder where Florida's at real quick, though. There's Let's seven see. line. They're see, at, I think that's too high. I think that's way too high. I think that's way too high for them. I think, ten and six. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that one. A ten and six team should not be a seven seed. I think, I think Auburn that's has a not legit, acceptable. I think Auburn has a legitimate shot to beat Florida. I really do. I think they have a legitimate shot to beat depends Florida. Depends on what Florida team shows up. Depends on what Auburn team shows up. Depends on if they... That's so true. It depends on... <laughs> That's so funny. It's so with how, cliche, that's but so it's SC, this year. That's what the SEC basketball has been this year. It's so. Are you getting this Tennessee team? It's so you getting Jekyll that Tennessee and Hyde. It's it's very Jekyll and Hyde. There's, I mean, even the best team in the SEC is inconsistent at times. Not as much as the rest of the conference, and that's why they're at the top. But they they still have those days where they show up and they don't shoot the basketball well, and they get beat, or they don't play as well, and they look bad. That's just how Alabama's been this year. It's how the entire conference has been this year. We'll go a little bit more into depth of this Auburn-LSU matchup and what to expect. We'll we'll dip our toes in the scouting report here on the other side of this break here on On the Line. Wrapping up the show coming up on the other side of this break.
On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Wrap it up on the line. Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Before we wrap up the show here, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. It's a game show lineup on ABC starting at 7 with Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. At 8, it'll be The Chase and follow again at 9, The Hustler. In the quest for the world championship in BattleBots, it's the round of 32 on Discovery at 7. Movie selection for tonight, if you're looking to kill three hours, you can hunker down with Forrest Gump on AMC at 7. Thursday night, college basketball opens up in the American Athletic Conference at 6 on ESPN2 with number 6, Houston at Wichita State. A top 25 matchup in the Big Ten with number 11, Iowa, at number 21, Wisconsin, at 6 on ESPN. At 7, currently viewed as a one seed, number 4, Ohio State, will battle it out on the road at Penn State on Big Ten Network. Moving to the 8 p.m. time slot, St. Mary's and number 1, Gonzaga, square off on ESPN. On ESPN 2, we've got Arizona at UCLA. Going back to the Big Ten on FS1, Rutgers and number 3, Michigan, will take the floor. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Digging into this LSU scouting report as that'll be the next matchup for Auburn basketball on the weekend. On Saturday, they'll be taking on LSU at 3 o'clock. And uh, this LSU team started out SEC play pretty hot. They uh, opened up SEC play 5-1. and one. They were on the cusp of taking first place when they were rolling into their first matchup with Alabama. And guess what? They got thumped by 30. And when you look at their first six games of teams that they played against they beat teams by the names of A&M Georgia Ole Miss Arkansas and South Carolina and Arkansas was a 16 point win and that was the, that was the best win that they had up to that point but they lost to Florida as well by four LSU the way I viewed them after they got beat by 30 against Alabama I was like oh these guys were pretenders they were fooling everybody because they didn't have the hardest schedule to open up the year Georgia and Ole Miss were down at the time Arkansas was another team who hadn't really played anybody at that point South Carolina barely was playing any kind of basketball A&M still in the bottom of the barrel they're one of the worst teams all year long at the SEC and then they've now gotten into the stretch of games that I think that they're coming out of but they lost by 30 to Alabama they lost by 13 to Kentucky albeit it wasn't rough but they did lose by 13 to Kentucky Oh, they came back and they beat a bad Texas A&M team. So they beat Texas A&M twice. But once again, the trend continues. They lost to a bad team. And then they lost to Texas Tech. And they should have won that game. That, lost that, by five, that, though, still. They no, lost. No, that, that, that ending, they should have won. And the way that game ended, that was just an absolute miserable game. So I don't, they lost that game. And I hold that against them. But I don't hold that one as much weight as I do the other ones. Because they were at least in that game until the last few seconds. And then they lost to Alabama by 18. They lost to Alabama by combined 48 in two matchups. There's something with Alabama. It's it's like something with Alabama. Alabama gets up for the big ones now. The little ones, they got a chance to get caught. But they get get up for the big ones. But then after that, now their two most recent games, LSU is on a two-game winning streak at the moment. They beat Mississippi State 94-80, and they just thumped Tennessee as we predicted, 78-65. And it wasn't close throughout that ballgame. They they had it as much as 78-60 late. And so... This LSU team, my question is, and beating Tennessee holds some weight to me, but I also take it with a grain of salt because Tennessee, it's which Tennessee team shows up. Is it the Tennessee team that can't score? Because Tennessee's a good defensive team. They'll yeah. hold you, they will grind you out, but and they will hold you, you know, in the 70s or lower, typically lower. This year, Tennessee's, you know, allow, you know, only allowing in the 60s right now. But 
offensively, you know, they've lost games to teams like Ole Miss 52 to 50. This Tennessee team sometimes shows up and's like, I don't know what to do with the basketball. To, they, they to be, be fair, at least they at least it was against Ole Miss, which is a relatively good defensive team. They're but, a great defensive team. But they team. do that. The, Tennessee, to your point, I was just playing devil's advocate a little bit to try to try to set, you know, try to help Tennessee out a little bit for whatever reason, but they just can't score sometimes. They go through stretches where they just literally cannot score the basketball. And you can't do that against an LSU team that shoots the ball. They can hang with anybody offensively. The offense isn't LSU's problem most of the time. Problem is, the defense is the issue. Problem is, they can't stop it. It's a, oh, it's a, it's a lot like Auburn at times, where Except you know, like on a much uh, on a, a much a more much, polarizing scale. Yes, like Auburn can score above averagely, and then they won't play defense sometimes. LSU won't play defense ever, and just score the ball the whole game, and just hope that they get a few stops throughout the game. So I don't know if this LSU team is truly coming out of that pretender perception that I had for them. But it is a step in the right direction for them that they finally beat. They have a substantial win. The Tennessee win carries some weight for me. They at least still beat a top 16 team at the time that they played them. Tennessee was ranked 16th. And so it's holding some weight for me. But they could just as easily over these next four games. I think that they're a tournament team 100%. I think they're getting it borderline getting into lock range out of the SEC. But this game against Auburn, they got Arkansas in a couple in next weekend. They'll be playing them. Uh, they're, they're ranked 24th right now. Arkansas is. They'll be playing them on February 27th at one o'clock. And so it's a little, you know, that's their toughest game of these last four. But I would say Auburn is probably their second toughest game of these last four, and then Georgia and then Vanderbilt. Because I think Auburn's going to Auburn. I think is going to come to play. I think this time off from playing this week due to the postponement is going to rejuvenate a, rejuvenate them a little bit. And Auburn has at least gotten up for the big ones. They've came to try. And they they have gotten caught recently in the last two weeks but they have still gotten up for the games that mean something even that Baylor game that they lost I mean they they came out hot they came out playing they came out playing they got came up out for playing that against one. Kentucky I know things went sideways but they came out playing against Kentucky that's and that's been part of Auburn basketball this year I think they come out to play I think this is a very winnable game for them I don't think Auburn's going to win this game but it's a very winnable game for them LSU's looking at a stretch where Auburn's gonna, not going to be able to stop LSU that's the issue, and that's exactly what I think is going to happen. I think that Auburn is going to get theirs, but I think LSU is going to get theirs more. And I think turnovers are going to be a big part. I think Auburn's still probably going to be turning the ball over because this point of the year, LSU averages eight point eight steals per game. Auburn this year, if they if they haven't fixed it yet, I don't have much faith that it's getting fixed this year. I think it's an off season issue that they're going to have to fix. This is a terrible matchup for Auburn. They're going against a team that is elite offensively, eighty two points per game for LSU, forty seven point one field goal percentage. That's almost three points higher than Auburn's, which is at 44.7%. So Auburn scores a lot of points, but not necessarily at a super efficient clip. Auburn is regarded, according to Kim Palm rankings, as the 29th most efficient offensive team in college basketball, which is still pretty good. LSU is sixth. So you're, you're dealing with a little bit of a, of a better team offensively. Now, I think Auburn's a little bit, believe it or not, KimPalm.com has LSU as the 139th best defensive team in the country. And guess where, they, where he's got Auburn at? Auburn, according to his mathematic calculations, 89th in the country. So he's got Auburn about 50 spots ahead of LSU there in Kim Palm's defensive efficiency rankings. But the thing is, this Auburn team has given up copious amounts of points over the last two, three weeks, and they have lost games due to that and turnovers. And I don't see that improving here against LSU because they score the ball really well. Once again, averaging 82 points a game, 47.1 percent from the field shooting the basketball but they're also going to turn Auburn over because they average 8.8 steals per game 
to Auburn to only Auburn six point four. It's a matchup nightmare. It really is. It's just a bad matchup for Auburn, and we'll get into all that, you know, more so tomorrow as well. But man, it's it's not it's not looking easy for the Tigers, for the Auburn Tigers. That is not looking easy for them, not at all, man. But again, we'll go into that a little bit more tomorrow, and we'll get some picks going for the rest of the weekend of basketball as well. That does it for another edition of On the Line. Following us on the show here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. we got The Drive with Bill Cameron coming up in just a moment. You don't want to miss it. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody.